Good to see everyone this morning. Uh, just a couple quick reminders. You probably know this already, but we are going to have a Christmas Eve service, as we do pretty much every year. Uh, it's going to be 6 o'clock to 7 o'clock tight. It'll be just some songs and a short message from the Word. So we'll keep it tight. No kids' ministry during that time. Uh, but just, you know, bring the kids, and if they make noise, who cares? You know, it's Christmas Eve. They're going to be all wound up. I'm sure some of them, but it's totally fine. Uh, we're just, we just want to come together and just think about uh, God's love, think about how God came into this world to rescue us, and we just want to give a little, just an hour, a sweet hour on Christmas Eve to do that. Christmas Day falls on a Sunday, so we will not be having service, and then also New Year's Day, New Year's Day falls on a Sunday, so we won't be having service. So there's two Sundays actually in a row, which is very rare. You know, it's every great once in a while that that happens, but two Sundays in a row that will have no no service. Um, so our next service after that will be December eighth. All right. So just you know, keep that in mind. Um, um, right. Good. See, I'm just seeing if you're listening. <laughs> right. Exactly. <clears throat> all right. Thanks. Um, all right. I'm ready to get into this word this morning. I'm excited to preach. I've been thinking about this all week long, and. Today, we're doing Advent as we do every Christmas season, and each week we explore a different grand idea from Scripture, um, these beautiful things that Jesus brought into the world 2,000 years ago, or brought with a fuller expression. Um, we've looked at hope the first week. Last week, Catherine unpacked uh, peace for us with an incredible message, and today we're going to look at uh, love, and then on Christmas Eve we'll we'll take a look at joy. It's nice to end with with the joy of the Lord. Um, so as I expressed in my letter, if you read my letter this week, my newsletter, um, the love of God is something that is difficult for us to grasp for many reasons. Actually, um, one is just over familiarity. You know, we, we, we've thought about love. Some of you have been Christians since you're three or four years old, and you've heard about God's love. You sang, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. You know, when you're three years old or four years old, we pulled out some old videos of our girls, and yeah, they were, Taylor and Maddie were like, probably like two and four or something, and, and singing, uh, singing this. It was hilarious, actually, because they both started singing, and then Taylor, the older one, when Maddie started singing, she covered her mouth. <laughs> like, this is my song. This is my show. <laughs> I'm like, okay, you're kind of missing the spirit of the love of Jesus here. <laughs> but anyways, funny videos. Um, but, you know, this over-familiarity, we've heard about God's love so much. We've heard, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, probably more messages on God's love than anything. It's the centerpiece of the Christian faith. And you'd think that just the frequent meditation on it or the, the frequent messages on it would help us, but sometimes it can have the opposite effect of, ah, I've already heard this. You know, I've heard this so many times. Um, 
so this morning, you know, I, as I said in my letter, I have no like fresh angle on the love of God that you've never heard before. Um, I, I really am not coming with any kind of new revelation or clever articulation of, of God's love. I, I know my limits, my human abilities to make the love of God real in your heart. Um, I'm going to simply this morning proclaim or sort of echo what the Word of God says, some of what the Word of God says about God's love. And as I do that, I'm trusting that we're not just sitting in this room alone. This isn't just me up here and, and you guys sitting in your seats and like God is like up there somewhere out there in the universe, busy doing whatever, you know, God does. No, God, the Holy Spirit is present in our midst. The Holy Spirit is present in this very place. And the Holy Spirit's role is to take of the glory of Jesus, everything about Jesus, the love of God, and to make it known to us. How he does that, he does that in many different ways. He does that through direct revelation. He does that through the power of the word and the Holy Spirit just awakening the mind. He does that sometimes by flowing through us with a spirit of compassion and travail for people. Um, And we taste something of his love in that way. There are so many different ways that God makes his love known. I was meeting with somebody yesterday, this older uh, woman who used to go to the church many years ago, and we kind of lost touch, and she's still walking strong with the Lord. She's 80, 81 years old, just filled with the Spirit. And I just kind of sat with her for a little while, maybe an hour or so, and just listened to her tell story after story after story of God's incredible works in her life, just so filled with gratitude, such fragrance of the presence of Jesus on her life. And so that was a way that I just walked away from that, drove away from that meeting, just overwhelmed with God's love. So God has his interesting ways of making his love known to us. Um, In one way, of course, is through the word um, that we're going to speak this morning and as I said, the power of the Holy Spirit making this known. The Holy Spirit can do this work in us of manifesting the glory of Jesus, uh, the gravity of something like the love of God, just the wonder of it, the weightiness of it. Again, you know, we're not up here, this is not a school. Um, I'm not just communicating information that we, okay, get this, inf- okay, great. You know, I understand the doctrine of the love of God. It's much deeper than that, right? Um, and I actually put in my letter this week uh, this prayer from Ephesians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul. I'm going to kind of paraphrase it, but uh, Paul prays basically that, that you may have strength And he emphasizes this work of the Holy Spirit, that you might have strength, this strength that comes from God, this ability that comes from the Holy Spirit to comprehend 
with all the saints, that's all of us, not just the Christians 2,000 years ago, but that's me and you, that we would comprehend through the power of the Holy Spirit the breadth and length and height and depth of the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Why does he add that little phrase in there? It's, it's deeper than just intellectual understanding. God uses our minds. It's not a separate thing. It's not like there's the mind and then there's the heart. No, the mind is the heart. Like it's, it's both, okay? It's, it, God does use our minds, but it's much deeper than just a flat knowledge. God wants to come and awaken the heart. Do you remember the disciples walked with Jesus for, what, three years, right? I mean, think about what they knew. Think of how much they knew sitting at the feet of Jesus for three years. And yet, even after three years, all that they knew, all that they saw about Jesus was still so dull. Their understanding was dull. It was flat. It was kind of basic. It was just knowledge. It was just information. They just didn't get it until the Holy Spirit made it real, right? Until after the resurrection, especially, um, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and the things of God became very real to them to the point where they gave their lives for the gospel. And then the end of that prayer says that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And that is the result of understanding the love of God. When the Holy Spirit makes his love known to us, it changes us. It ruins us in the best kind of way. It transforms our lives. It's not just like, okay, great, I got it. Give me a, give me a quiz now on the love of God. I'll nail it. You know, it's, it's so much more than just that. It affects the heart. It changes the way you think. It changes the way you spend your time. It changes the way you use your money. It changes the way you see people. It changes the way you view your enemies. It changes everything about you. It alters the deepest parts of your heart. It purifies your motives. The love of God is, it is the, the, the treasure of treasures that we have that we're talking about this morning. So let's, let's just take a moment and, and ask God to just move in this place and, and awaken our hearts, all right? Holy Spirit, we acknowledge that these ideas that we're thinking about are so grand. They're, they're just so vast. Our minds are so uh, shallow sometimes. We're, we're so earthly-minded that we really struggle to under, understand these great ideas. Holy Spirit, open up our minds, open up our hearts this morning. Help us to see the love of God with our spiritual eyes. Help us to feel the love of God within the deepest parts of who we are. Lord, let it not be just a concept this morning, but let it be personal. I pray for each of us that we would, we would really experience 
not only the love of God for the world, but for us personally. That you love us personally. You know all about us. Lord, your love is like nothing in this world. There's nobody who perfectly represents your love. We only see it in kind of shadows in, in different people, maybe in the love of a mother for her child or you know, a compassionate father or maybe a good pastor or you know, so many different kinds of people. We just see just a, just a shadow. But your love is like nothing. It's incomparable. It's beyond what we can even imagine. But Holy Spirit, help our imagination this morning. Open our spiritual eyes to see. Manifest your love. In Jesus' name. Amen. So to think about something as as vast as the love of God, you really have to you have to pull from all of scripture. You have to kind of look at everything scripture says and, and even life itself to take it in. It's, it's such a big thought. And I, I'm not going to give you everything in scripture, but I'm going to give you a sampling of just some of the incredible things that the word of God says about this idea of God's love. God's love is his very nature. It's who he is, right? First John says that God, God is love. When God revealed himself to people throughout the Bible, often it was like, I am the Lord your God, you know, compassionate and merciful and loving, full of loving kindness. It's the very nature of God. Do you realize like God didn't grow in love? God didn't become loving over time. God always, he is love, always was love, always will be love in a perfect way. It's his very nature. Just think about that. That's at the center of the universe. That's at the center of all things. The origin of all things is just this stream of perfect love. That's God. God is love. His love is perfect. 1 Corinthians 13, you probably know this if you've been to a wedding. Um, <laughs> you probably know this uh, famous passage. I won't read the whole thing, but just maybe part of it. But it kind of gives us a portrait of love. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Love never fails. Now, this is meant to be kind of a you know, a standard for us, right, to follow. How many, how many are living that out in a per- 
perfect way. <laughs> like none of us, like at the end of every single day, I missed, missed it again. <laughs> um, it's just incredible. But that describes Jesus, right? The way Jesus lived when Jesus walked the earth. He was exactly like that. And part of how we know the love of God is by looking at the life of Jesus. You know, we see the glory of God's love in the face of Jesus. There's no mixture with God. Think about this. You know, with us, like I said, even the best representations, you know, many of you are filled with love and we've had maybe great loving parents or older mentors that were so kind and so loving, but even the best of the best human uh, representations of, of God's love still fall way short compared to the perfections and excellencies of God's, God's love. Because we're always a mixture. We still have flesh. We still have our sinful nature. We still have our selfishness. Um, and we, we try to walk in the spirit always, but we're still a work in progress, all of us. Even if we've been walking with Jesus for 75 years, you know, we are works in progress. But God is not in process at all. <laughs> he is perfect love, undiluted, you know, unmixed with anything sinful, anything dark, right? God is light in him, is no darkness at all, it says in 1 John. He is perfect in his love, always was and always will be. This is the God that we serve this morning. One of my favorite verses, and I bet it's a favorite verse of some of you in this place, is Zephaniah chapter 3. <laughs> it says, The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness, and he will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. God's love moves him to sing over us love songs take that in for a minute you know I was thinking about I had to like catch myself this week thinking about like when I because I've often preached to, to you guys or to myself, you know, we should gaze upon the Lord, right? Set your mind on the things of God and fix your eyes on Jesus. And we kind of, even when we worship, right? Some of us, you know, we kind of like, we're looking out into God. You know, we're, we're kind of looking up at God with the eyes of our understanding. We're just, we're kind of worshiping him, gazing upon him. But you know what I was thinking of? When we are in that moment of imagination, do we ever think that God is gazing back at us? I, I don't. I, I, really, I really don't. I, I kind of like, God, here I am. You know, I'm like, it's almost like I'm trying to get his attention. Oh, Lord, I worship you. And he's just, he's up there and he's like kind of aloof and he's just like the grand, you know, God of the universe and worship. But man, it just hit me this week. He, he's looking 
at us. In fact, his gaze is much better than our gaze toward him. (laughs) We get easily distracted, right? I mean, even while we're worshiping, we can be distracted about whatever, anything in our minds or just different things happening. But God actually looks at us. He thinks about us. He gazes with affection, tender affection toward us. Isn't that hard to grasp? Some of us, like, we just buck against that because we've never experienced that in this world. You know, we didn't get that from mom. We didn't get that from dad. We didn't get that from friends. We've been betrayed. We've been hurt. We've experienced injustices. We've, we've had friends that have just dumped us. We've had boyfriends, girlfriends that have just, you know, mistreated us and, and, and kind of threw us out. We've, some of us have experienced so much unlove in this world that it, it's hard to grasp this heavenly father that gazes with tender affection upon us. It's pretty overwhelming. We're getting a little deeper. God's love sent the Son. I'm going to read a verse that maybe you've heard before. It's found in the Gospel of John. Chapter 3. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. God so loved the world. Think about that. Like the world? Why would he love the world? I mean, think about the world. Think about Genesis 6, even at that point, early in the days of humanity. People were killing each other, and people hate each other, and people sin, and people neglect God's commands, and people do what they want, and people are filled with pride, and just people do whatever they want to do. You know, they do whatever is right in their own eyes. I mean, this is like humanity, right? We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us miss the mark. Sure, some more than others, right. <laughs> of course, but yes. we've all rebelled. We've all been at enmity against God yes. at moments. And yet God so loved the world that he gave his son. Now, side note, the son is God, right? God is, there's the Godhead. One God, three persons, the mystery of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God himself came into this world and laid his life down willingly for us, for sinners, He so loved us. Why? I don't know. Why would he do that? Well, he knew he was going to do that before the creation of the world. He knew we were going to mess up, screw up. He knew he wasn't surprised by anything. He knew all of this. Why would he do any of this? This is a, a love that we can't even understand. 
come on, if me and the two of you were the Trinity in perfect peace and love and harmony and satisfaction, why, oh why, would we create human beings that would vex us and grieve us and cause prophets to weep and Jesus himself to break down over Jerusalem. Why? It's a love that we can't, we can't grasp without God's Holy Spirit. It's an otherworldly love. It's hard to compare it. Like we can compare it to a good father. Maybe you know, maybe your own dad or maybe some father that you know is just so compassionate or just so godly or a mother that's just so tender and so sweet toward her children and would do anything for her children. Maybe we catch a little glimpse of God in that. But God's love is it's greater than that. God's love dwelt among us. For, uh, actually, John chapter one talks a little bit about that. If you, wanna, if you do have a paper Bible, probably none of you do. It's okay. Can you hear that? My old pastor used to call it the rustling of the leaves. He'd be like, turn to John one, and you'd hear the whole congregation. Now you hear nothing but silence. You know, people are on their phones like, Where's my Bible app? Oh, what's on Instagram? Oh, something just came in. Oh, look at it. Somebody just sent me a text. I wonder what they said. Oh, they're doing something later. Oh, they want to go to lunch. Hmm. What are, I wonder where, where should we go to lunch? Let's go to Den Den. All right, focus. All right, focus, people. I mean, it's not like the World Cup is happening. <laughs> Lord, help us. <laughs> But anyways, back to the Gospel of John, chapter 1. It says the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is talking about Jesus. That that God himself came into the world, right, as a baby and, and grew. And this was Jesus himself. This was the glory of God. Uh, manifested. This love came down into this world. I mean, as real as, I'm looking at Matt Talamini right in the second row, as real as like Matt is, I could go down, shake his hand, talk with him face to face. God himself took on the clothing of humanity so that people could talk with him, touch him, hug him. Think about that. It was a perfect manifestation of God's love. So love came down. God's love was demonstrated. It's one of my favorite verses. I always say that. Romans chapter 5, but I'm not lying when I say this. Romans chapter 5 says this. God demonstrated his love. God's love was demonstrated. It says that while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one might even dare to die. But God shows his love, or your Bible might say, demonstrates his love for us 
and that while we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. So God in his nature is love, right? He's this perfect love, but God wasn't just you know, a love in, in heart, a love in theory. His love had action. His love moved him to rescue us. He knew there was no other way. I don't fully understand it. Nobody really fully does. But somehow in the government of God that there needed to be a sacrifice for our sins, for your sin, for my sin. We couldn't just like fix ourselves, redeem ourselves, save ourselves. We, we needed a savior. And uh, uh, apparently nobody was worthy to be the savior. No angel, no cherub. It needed to be God himself. And so that, that's what happened. God demonstrated his love for us while we were unworthy sinners. Worthy, we are not worthy of this. This is the crazy thing. Listen, every religion in this world kind of goes like this. Do good, you know, do good works, be religious, fulfill religious duties, and maybe just maybe you'll do enough to appease God, right? That's religion. And by the way, it's a lot of Christian religion as well. Listen, that is not the gospel. The gospel is that we could never earn forgiveness. We could never be good enough. We could never be worthy enough. We could never be desirable enough that God would somehow, ooh, let me pick him. Let me pick her. No, we just are unworthy, sinful creatures. And yet God, in his infinite mercy and love, sets his affection upon us and sets this plan of redemption into motion. He demonstrates his love in sending Christ to be this substitute. And we know the story. Christ came for one reason, really, not just to show us how to live, but he came to die on a cross, to die for the sins of the world. He demonstrated his love by allowing a crown of thorns to be put on his head and by you know, letting his back be uh, ripped apart by flogging, allowing himself to be mocked and to walk through uh, the public arena you know, just with just being humiliated, taking our shame, taking our sin upon himself, allowing his, you think he couldn't he's, he, he was God. He could have snapped his fingers and caused the most powerful angel to just crush every one of his enemies. But he didn't. He just did it willingly. He went like a lamb to the slaughter. And he allowed himself to be crucified for us. His love is real. You know, people are like, oh, God, you know, where is God when people are suffering? Oh, what are, why is there so much injustice in the world? Why are there so many bad things that happen? Why do, why do bad things happen to good people? Yeah, I get all these philosophical questions, and there are mysteries and stuff, but can we just, like, simplify and say, well, how about if we look at the cross? What about that? Because that's pretty sure. That's pretty solid. It's hard to... To, to think that God is not love when you just take a good, hard look at the cross 
and what he did for us. He didn't have to do that. It would have been perfectly fitting and holy and just for God to not include us in his eternal plan, this city of love that he is designing and preparing. It would have been fit, fitting for him not to include us. But he did include us. And it was costly for him. So God's love paid a price. It was demonstrated. God's love is manifested. There's one little verse at the end of Jesus' famous prayer in John 17. I'll read it to you. It says this. Um, it's a long prayer, really all of chapter 17 in the Gospel of John is the prayer of Jesus, not just for his disciples, but for really for all who will believe on his name you know, throughout the ages. That's me, that's you, okay? Yes. And he says this, I made known to them your name. I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Chapter 17 is one of those chapters you can't just read and be like, okay, great. I just read it in five minutes and let's, you know, let's go out. You really have to kind of ponder these things. But think about what he's saying there. He's saying that the love between the father and the son, can you imagine the love, the intensity of the love between this eternal love that, again, always was this love, it's not like it has a measure to it. It's boundless. It is infinite. The fiery love between the Father and the Son. Jesus is saying, I am praying that that love would be in them, in my children. That's me and that's you. Have you ever tasted a little bit of that love? We're never going to taste it in fullness in this life. But he gives us little glimpses. He gives us little tastes. I don't think we could fully handle it if it, you know, some of us have experienced at times the love of God just being manifested in a powerful way. It's like we're not even, like these bodies could, couldn't, can't even take it. We would just fall apart. We would melt but this is, our, this is our destiny. This is where we're going. This is what, this, you think that prayer isn't going to be fulfilled? You know, we think about heaven, ah, gold streets, it's going to be so cool. And I, I'm as guilty as any. Oh, we're going to be able to fly, you know, when we get to the next world. And, you know, we're not going to have to use cars and walk on our feet. We can just go anywhere. We can get just translated in a moment. You know, I have all these like crazy ideas about what it might be like. But you know what's going to be really the best part of the future city that we're going to dwell in is the love that permeates every square inch of it. I mean, whatever, if you think back, I've been a Christian for 33 years, you know, think back on the, the times in your life where you have experienced the love of God the most. 
When was that? Maybe it was through just personal reading the word. Maybe it was like a worship time and just like, and like the love of God came down and melted you and you felt something. Some of you, it might be just, you were just hit by that. You were praying for your family or praying for somebody who is far from God and just the love of God hits you and you're weeping and just travailing for their soul and you're feeling the love of God stream through you. Think of whatever it may be when the love of God was the strongest you experienced. Listen, that was nothing compared to what we are going to swim in for eternity. It's just a, how do you say, like just a little boop. (laughs) When I was a kid, I used to spit all the time. I had a gap between my two front teeth. Used to do this little spit. It's kind of like that. Just a little, such a bad habit. I, everything I did, it was like one bad habit to the next bad habit. Like there was a good two-year span where I just like spit all the time. I don't know why. One time I got in trouble for in the playground spitting. Me and my friends were spitting these big spits up in the air, and then we would catch them in our mouth. Yeah, we were in the principal's office for that one. Anyways, I hope that encouraged you. (laughs) Back to the message. Romans 5 also, I'm not going to read it, but Romans 5 talks about this love being shed abroad within us. And again, it's not just in the future, but it is here and now. It's, It's in our lives. It's in our hearts. There are times when God, I don't exactly know how it works, I mean, that's the moment when I became a Christian was exactly that. You know, when I was 21, I was very angry with a lot of people. I was really not very nice. You know, I had a lot of bitterness, a lot of anger, a lot of rage even. Got in a lot of fights with a lot of people. And I'm just walking down the street and the love of God just visited my heart and was shed abroad within me. Almost like this infusion of the fragrance of God's love. And it transformed me. I've never been the same. It was 33 years ago. I've never been the same since that one single touch of God releasing his love on the inside. Again, it's not just information. Now, it's great to hear about the love of God, hear a great message about the love of God, you know, to understand it intellectually. That's, that's a part of it. That's like one piece of the puzzle. But this is what God wants to do in every one of us. He wants to shed his love abroad with his real tangible, the substance of his divine love. He wants to put it inside of us, right? He doesn't want to just convince us that he's loving. Oh, okay, I think I get it now. No, he wants us to experience it. He wants to shed it abroad within us. His love leads us to repentance. It changes our life. It causes us to turn our life. I don't know how it happens, but when the love of God uh, hits your heart, it just makes you want to repent, right? It's not like a stubborn thing. I mean, some of us maybe, you know, for years, maybe you grew up in the church. I didn't really grow up in the church. You know, I had some little bit of church, but... I didn't really hear the gospel, but you know, maybe uh, the idea of turning from sin was just a, 
Ah, I don't really want to, right? That's kind of like you hear the message, you hear some message about like you need to get rid of this sin or deal with this or this is a sinful act, action or behavior or whatever. And you know, when the love of God is not in operation, it's just like, meh, meh. Do I really go? You know, it's like a stubborn, you don't want it. It's like, all right, I don't know. And maybe you even give it up for a while or give it up for, but it's like kind of you're grumpy about it, right? Grumpy about it. But when the love of God is poured out upon you, it's like you take the things that are kind of most precious to you, the sinful things that you were so attached to, and just like, be gone, right? Take it away because there's nothing that compares with the love of God. It's the sweetest of all waters. What, what does this world have to give? What has it got? Right? Like the psalmist said, your love is sweeter than wine. Your love is better than life itself. Wine, drugs, sex, stuff, riches, fame. What does this life have to, to give us? If we, if, if we could have all of it, just make your wish list, make your Christmas wish list. Here's the 10 things that, oh, I wish I, if I could just have these 10 things, it would just so satisfy my life. I'm just sure it would. Listen, it wouldn't. It would not. Read the book of Ecclesiastes, by the way. Here's a guy who kind of had his 10 things on his wish list. He got all of it and more. And at the end, it was like completely dissatisfied. Why? Because we are designed for the love of God. Only the love of God satisfies. I'm not saying that if you go get high, you're not going to feel high. Okay, There are pleasures in this world that are very real pleasures, but I'm talking about mind, soul, body, every part of us, every piece of us, the innermost being, the love of God satisfies all of that because it's how we're designed. It's kind of a weird illustration, but I think it, it kind of fits. It's like putting, uh, this used to happen more, it doesn't happen as much, uh, these days, but if you put diesel fuel in a car that takes regular unleaded, how many know that's not a good thing? <laughs> um, that it, your, now your car will actually run, right? For it'll go for a, a little while, maybe a mile or a few miles, and then what'll happen? It'll shut down, and the only way to fix it is to like flush out the complete fuel system. It's kind of like that. We are not designed to run on sin, on just stuff, on the things of this world. It's not how we were made. Now, we can run for a while. We can kind of go for a few miles, right? You can, you can kind of move, move forward a bit, but eventually it just shuts down. It shuts down. How many know that? How many, how many um, you don't have to give me your hand in this, but some of you I know, know this really well from drug use. Oh man, that first high is like incredible, 
right? And then ever since that very first high, you're trying to recapture the first high. And the second high just isn't quite as good as the first high. And then, but maybe try some new drugs. Oh, this is even better. Okay, but then eventually you hit that point where nothing even compares with the early highs. It just gets worse and worse and worse to the point where I, I got to a point where I was just getting high just to not be completely depressed. I wasn't even happy anymore. Listen, the love of God satisfies the deepest part of who we are. I just want to proclaim that in this place today. We don't uh, develop a tolerance to it. It just gets sweeter and sweeter and sweeter. Well, it also compels us and moves us to do mission. It moves us to martyrdom. It moves us to give our lives. What has caused missionaries to go all over the world? What has caused people to leave everything they have and go to the ends of the earth and to sometimes suffer and sometimes die for the sake of the gospel? It's the love of God. That's what Paul said. The love of God compels me to do what I do. The love of God is steadfast. Hebrews 13 says he will never leave us and never forsake us. The love of God is constant. It may be obscured like like the clouds may obscure the sun, right? But behind the clouds, right? You get up in a plane and get over the, wow, it's sunny up on top of the cloud. The love of God is constant. It's not fickle. There's no shadow of turning. There's no up and down. God is not moody. God's love is a fiery, burning constant in our lives. We don't, we don't always feel that, right? This is why we live by faith, right? Not by sight, not by feelings, but we live by the word of God. And we know that the word of God says God's love is steadfast over us. It is unquenchable. Oh, I got to read Romans. They is so good. God's love is unquenchable. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies who is to condemn Christ Jesus as the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God and is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? And he goes on to say, no, in all these things we are more than Conquerors. I'm sure that neither death nor life, angels nor rulers, things present, things to come, nor power nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Are you a child of God this morning? Are you in the family of God? Listen, his love is steadfast, 
and for you. If God is for you, who can be against you? There's going to be moments of affliction. There's going to be moments you're not feeling it. There's going to be moments that you, 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 you're not behaving the way you should be, right? You're not behaving Christianly. You're having a bad day. You're having a bad week. Listen, you're, you know, you're, you're suffering. You're not feeling your body is sick. Death itself is staring you at the face. Listen, nothing can separate you from the burning love of God. His love is for you. He's not going to reject you. He's not going to turn his face away from you. He's not going to leave you. He is not going to forsake you. He's going to keep his love. He's going to set his love upon you, and he's going to keep it upon you. That's a great passage to meditate upon. God's love, Psalm 145 says, his love is for all that he has made. So scripture has this like kind of, uh, you know, sort of paradox, I guess, to it. Like Psalm 145 says, the, the Lord is loving toward all of his creation, right? This is kind of, kind of called the, like the common grace, that, that God, God loves all people on the planet because, you know, they're his and he gives them breath and he gives them food and he gives them water and he gives them sunshine and he gives them all kinds of different things. God is generous and kind to all. He pours out blessings upon every, every religion, every kind of person, even the worst uh, individuals, people in prisons, God is still causing them to have breath. God is still giving them maybe bread and water or whatever they're eating or maybe a friend or different things. This is the common grace of God. He is good and kind to all. His mercy is extended to all. He desires all. He welcomes all. doesn't matter who. Nobody's sinned too much. Even the people who have like killed many people or people who are in prison for 970 years or whatever, these, you know, read about some of the incredible conversion stories that are happening in some of the worst prisons um, in, in our country. God is at work. God is, this is God's love that we're talking about. But then there's also Psalm 103 that says, his mercy is upon those who fear him, or his love is upon those who fear him. What does that mean? There's a, a special kind of love that God has for his bride, for his church, for his children, for those who love him. Do you love him this morning? Do you fear him? What does it mean to fear him? It just means to, to tremble before him, to, to know that God is God and we are not God, to know that he is holy and, and we are not holy, to know that if he says that we shouldn't do a thing, that we, we should take that seriously, that we really are serious about who God is and, and what he's asking us to do. Now, we're imperfect and we make mistakes and we fall short every day, but there's a, a sense of like seriousness about our walk with God, we want to do the right thing. We want to please him. Well, the Bible says over and over again that his love is upon that individual. It's hard for us to receive that because we feel like, yeah, but I fall so short. No, but if you fear the Lord, do you fear the Lord? I do, I do. Do you fear the Lord? Are you broken? Are you contrite? Are you bothered when you sin? When you miss the mark, does it upset you? 
Are you honest? Are you just like, God, search my heart. I, I, I want to know you. Is that, is that your life? Well, God's mercy is upon you. God's love is for you. His love will, will saturate that kind of heart. Well, God's love has this quality of really being irresistible when it hits the heart, right? When it crashes against our insides, it, it just has a way of melting us and humbling us and making us want to love him. And so my challenge this morning is that, that we would just pursue this, this great love of God. And this message is just a sampling. It's just a, a few, it's like a jump start to get you going in your contemplation of this great idea of God's love. Let's stand together and close in prayer. Lord, thank you for your love, uh, so rich and so pure, boundless. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for setting your affections upon us. Lord, I pray, God, we just pray for a greater revelation, a greater manifestation of the love of God. We want to know this love, the breadth of it, the expanse of it. Lord, we want it to become more and more real to us. God, we want it to, to fill us with the full measure of the fullness of God. We want it to just drench us. God, we want more of your love. We cry that it would abound in us, that it would increase in us. Lord, come, Lord, and pour out your love upon us. Lord, shed it abroad within us. Shed it abroad within us. Lord, I pray for those that have never tasted it before, that have never experienced your love. God, I pray this Christmas would be, this would be the, this would be the Christmas that they pass from death to life, that this would be the Christmas, that, that they, just everything's changed, that they would feel that it would go, it would go kind of from the head to the heart, that it would go, you know, from just an idea, from just, you know, information, that it would become so real, so tangible to them. Lord, I pray that, that you would just come to each of our hearts and, and make yourself real. Lord, we can't do that just through sheer intellectual grit or study or, you know, just, you know, through the volume of my voice or whatever, or through preaching or through listening to 50 sermons about the love of God. Lord, we are crying out, Lord, for the Holy Spirit to do the work in us to make known to us the greatness, the vastness of your great love. Lord, we want to understand it. We want to be moved by it. We want to be just sort of ruined by it. We want to be undone by it. We want to be compelled by it. Lord, we want to be motivated, guided by it. We want it to set the tone. We want to be satisfied by the love of God above every other thing, Lord. Pray that the love of God becomes so sweet to us that all the things that this world has kind of put together would just lose their appeal. God, that your love would be just supreme to us. <laughs> Lord, we just look forward to the day that we step into glory. 
I don't know if it's going to be the day like we die or the day that you return because you could return in this life. But I just always think of it as like a walk, sort of a long walk into the, the just the presence of God, the light of God. We're going to see your face. We're going to just move like this, sort of the volume of your love is just going to, as we're walking, every step that we take toward the glory of God, toward your face, the, the volume of your love is going to increase uh, dramatically and there's no limit to it. It's not that you hit 10 and then it stops. You can't turn the dial anymore. It's just going to keep going forever. It's going to increase for eternity. Lord, that, that's just crazy to, to think about. I don't know why anybody would reject the love of God. I don't understand why anybody would reject this gift of salvation. Oh God, have mercy on our city. Have mercy on our families. Have mercy on our friends. Have mercy, Lord. Just people are so deceived. It's like they can't see it. They, they just think that it's something different than, it, than what it is. But Lord, it's, it's almost like your, your love is what they, they're looking for. It's like what they're designed for. They, 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 it's what they want. It's the thing that's it's the only thing that really satisfies. They're kind of looking in all the wrong places. These counterfeits, these substitutes for the satisfying love of God. Oh Lord, just cut through and let people taste it. Let people see it. Let our family members taste and see that the Lord's love is satisfying. It's better than anything in this world. Lord, we love you. Um, we pray that our minds would be very much on you this Christmas week, even amidst all the busyness. Lord, help us to focus on the love of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Yes. Amen. Have a wonderful week, guys. Yes.